0: John chapter 18 and verse number 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. I want to talk in this series of eternal matters about eternal purposes. Eternal purposes. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. I really do. Anybody else feel the moving of the Spirit of the Lord here today? Isn't it awesome? Isn't it wonderful? Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We just pray now that your word would take root in our life. Speak. As only you're able to speak. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of the soul, the spirit, the joint, and the marrow, and it is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. So speak now, not just words of the present, but eternal weight, We will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say, thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in his presence today. And one announcement that I didn't miss, let me just mention it. Next week is our first Sunday fellowship. Our first Sunday fellowship, so following our service next Sunday morning, we will be going to the park for time of food and fellowship now Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world one of the most difficult things that we experience as people is differentiating between the temporal and the eternal we all struggle with that There is an account in Matthew chapter 19. The Bible calls him a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and and said unto him, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So there was at least a thought about something beyond the present world that we live in. There was a premonition that this life would would come to an end, and, and this being a young ruler, he was probably a ruler of the temple. So he had been schooled in the laws of Moses. He had been schooled in the principles of God, and so he had no doubt been instructed that there would be something beyond This life. This life was temporary and there would be something beyond. And so, whatever caused him to come to this place, he began to think about what happens after a person would die. Now, there were two sects in the Jewish culture you had the Sadducees who did not believe in life after death they believed that once a person died that was it and that was the finale and they would ask jesus questions like you know there was a a man that died and he had a wife and and his wife then was married to his brother because the jewish custom would mandate that if if the lady had no children then The brother would marry the lady to procreate children in honor to the the brother and so went through seven brothers imagine that and so they come to Jesus and say in the resurrection whose whose wife is this woman going to be and Jesus would use that to explain that in the resurrection there is no marrying or giving in marriage it's it's something completely different. They were trying to trap him because their teachings, they did not believe that there was life after death. Then you had the Pharisees who were the strictest sense of Judaism or Judaizers, and, and they did believe that there would be a resurrection. There would be eternal life after death. And so it is in this context that this rich young ruler would come to Jesus and would say to him, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I I think most people at some point in their life, whether they choose to dismiss it or not, they at least for a moment contemplate what happens when a person dies. I, I don't think anyone could ever go to a funeral whether they are a believer or not and at least at least for a moment contemplate whether there is life after this or what happens after this and so here comes this young ruler probably a ruler of the temple and he would come to Jesus and he would say to him good master what must I do to inherit eternal life now he, he would say to him, we believe that you are a teacher from God, even though they did not believe for the most part that he was the Messiah. They, they believed that he was at least a prophet. They believed that God was with him because Nicodemus in John chapter 3 would say, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these works that you do except God be with him. And so, good Master, what what is your teaching about eternal life? What what does it take for me as an individual to experience this thing called eternal life? And most of us are familiar with the story. Jesus would say to him keep the commandments and And the young man was quick to respond because being a ruler of the, of the temple there was an outward predominance of displaying that they were committed to keeping the commandments. And so he was very quick to respond by saying I've kept the commandments since I was a young boy. But Specifically, what commandments are you talking about? I find it interesting that Jesus would address the last five commandments because the last five commandments have to do with a person's interaction with people. The first five commandments are your relationship with God. because This is why Jesus would say, that when you love God and you love your neighbor, then all of the commandments hang on these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. And so Jesus looks at him and he addresses the second part of the Ten Commandments that they had to do with the treatment of humanity. And apparently the young man felt like, Well, this is not enough, apparently, because it it seems like, have you ever been in a conversation when you knew somebody wasn't saying all of what they were thinking? Uh, They just kind of hang you out there, kind of bait you a little bit, you know, and try to throw the conversation in, and you know that they're... there's something else coming and even though you might dread it, you know there's something else coming. And so Jesus looks at him and, and he says, but one thing you're missing. One thing you're missing. What's that one thing? And Jesus was quick to respond, telling him to go sell all that he had and... Give that to the poor and come take up His cross and follow Him. Now, in essence, what Jesus was saying was exactly what John wrote in the 18th chapter when he began by saying, My kingdom is not of this world. That is why Jesus is teaching what was so dramatic and and a dichotomy to the teaching of people to this point because he would say, take no thought for tomorrow. He, he would say things like, that a man's life consisteth not in the things that he possesses. Now, most of us here today, if we mention the word success, we automatically attach the word success to things. We we gauge a person uh, how successful they are by the things that they possess, the things they have, and and yet in reality, he that dies with the most toys or she that dies with the most toys really is not the winner, because the Bible tells us that we came into the world with nothing, and we're going to leave the world the same way we came and so Jesus is trying to convey to this man that eternal life it's not predicated on the things that you possess in the physical world he is trying to show him that it doesn't matter what you have in in this life none of it is transferable to the next life. Now, I pr- propose and, and preach that, that we ought to try as hard as we can. We, we ought to strive to be the best that we can and, and, and enjoy the blessings of God, but yet keeping in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that the things that are seen are temporary. The things that you possess today will be gone Tomorrow. I was going through the car wash the other day and and the young man asked me what kind of scent I wanted for my vehicle. And I said, would you give me new car smell? New car smell, it it helps you make the payment. I'm just trying to help somebody today. New new car smell just kind of helps you make the payment every month. Because it's not long after you make the first or the second payment that the air gets stale and you get a stain on the interior. And then, how is it that they work this stuff? I'm just, I would really like to know how is it that they work this stuff when you make the last payment, the transmission goes out? I mean, do they program these things? And so what Jesus is trying his best to convey is to the young man that what you possess in this life has no effect on the next life. Now, now I, I believe that in the story of this, what Jesus was really testing was the attitude. I, I really do. I think, I think if the young man would have said, you know, yeah, they're just possessions, they're just things. I- I'm willing to do that because, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that we forget is there were some pretty influential, affluent people that followed Jesus. And we think everybody was a poor old fisherman. But but if you'll study the life of Jesus, there there was a lady by the name of Suzanne who was in the court of the pharaoh of, of Herod. And, and no doubt, she funded a lot of the ministry of Jesus. There were influential people that, that walked with Jesus and, and funded his Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They, they kept Jesus in their home and, and they fed Him with their food. And so there were people that, that had some things in this world. But what Jesus is trying to get across is it's not the things you possess here That makes the difference because Jesus said if you sell all of that and you give it to the poor, then you have treasure. Oh, somebody help me preach just a moment. You have treasure in heaven. And and so we, we look at this story and the Bible says that the ruler went away sorrowful. In other words he was more attached to the temporary than he was his concern for the eternal. There's another portion of scripture that's found in the book of Colossians and our second Timothy pardon me second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 when when Paul would would be talking about he needed some things and then he injects in verse number 10 he said Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, before we throw Demas under the bus and say, well, Demas backslid and Demas went back to, to his old life, the Bible does not say that. The Bible just simply said that Demas had a love for the present world. Now, you've got to understand one thing. Demas was a contemporary of Paul. Now, most of us think we would want to hang around Paul. But Paul had a knack for getting you in trouble. I mean, Paul had death threats on him. We we read the two-thirds of the Bible that Paul wrote, and we enjoy his epistles, and man, we think Paul was all this and and all of that, and, and yet people around Paul died. Paul had a propensity for getting thrown in prison. And so when you look at the life of Demas, I I think Demas is probably a lot like most of us. If the church ever hit a place of persecution, I think most of us would be kind of like Demas. Because Demas, it doesn't say he went back to the world. It said he had a, a love. For the present world. In other words, he liked life. Now, I think most of us today like life. If, if, if the Lord's getting a van load for heaven tonight, most of us would give our ticket away. Come on, let's be honest. We we love life. We, we enjoy, we got a vacation planned. We've got something planned. And, and, and so when it says Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, It just means I'm getting away from Paul. Because if I hang around Paul, I'm fixing to go down. Are you with me? And so he just had a love for life that I, I think, I think Demas wanted to go to heaven. I think Demas loved Jesus. But there was a battle come on somebody, there was a battle. Most of us sitting here today, there's a battle going on. I want to live for God. I want the things God wants for me. And yet I want this and and I want that. And I want to experience this and I want to go here and I want to do this and I, I want to do that. And so Lord, if you're coming today, wait two or three weeks until I get Anybody feeling me today? Anybody? Anybody being real today? I, I, I've got a. I got my grandkids. I got another grandkid on the way. I, I, I've got a. I've got this. I've got that. I want to enjoy this. I just got a new toy. I want to enjoy this. I think most of us experience what Demas possessed. He just had a love for life, and he wanted to enjoy some things in this life. And yet there's this battle that goes on between us, ladies and gentlemen. This battle of the eternal. I feel the call of something greater. I feel the call of something more majestic. I feel the call of the eternal. But I'm attached to the temporal. I'm attached to the here and now. I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to become this. And yet there's a pull. So in Acts chapter 16, in the 16th verse, we find a little story here that the Bible said Paul and Silas were going to the temple to pray. See, prayer is that call to communicate to another world. I I wish the church would really begin to understand what prayer is. Prayer is not some pious activity uh, of saying the right things and and impressing people and and it's not uh, saying rhetoric and and, and rituals and and getting into the same old thing. What prayer is, uh, is is our soul speaking to the eternal. Remember, our soul was created first. Our spirit was created first. And then the time capsule. So there is a... There is a desire, even though a lot of times our physical man squashes the desire. I mean, how is it that when you get down to pray, you think, oh my Lord, there's dirty dishes in the sink. When when you begin to pray, you realize, oh, I hadn't washed the, the sheets this week. Because while there is a gravitational pull, from the spirit that is within us, there is also a gravitational pull of, of the temporal, of the things we can see, the things that I've got to do. I've got a schedule. I've got appointments. I've got meeting. And yet there's an appointment also for our spirit someday to go back to God. And so the battle rages. Am I preaching to anybody today? The battle's raging. The battle's raging. Uh, Pastor, I've got to have a job and and I've got to work and I've got to take care of my family and I've got to do... Absolutely, you're exactly right. And yet Jesus introduces this concept. My kingdom is not of this world. And and He makes a very powerful statement. He says, if my kingdom was of this world, then the people I've chosen would fight. They, they They would be armed, So that the Jews could not take me. But he looked at Pilate in 19 of John and he says to Pilate, For this cause, somebody say, For this cause. Look at your neighbor and see, it's about to get good. Just hang on, it's about to get good. For this cause came I into the world. For this cause. What are you talking about? For this moment, I've lived the 33 and a half years that I have on this earth being tempted in all points. Feeling the desire. Can can you imagine Jesus in his humanity looking at someone that got something new? Kind of like us. Ooh. Sweet. I, I was at a place this week and they were having an old car swap meet and they were had, had all these vintage cars and I walked by a 67 Charger. Lime green. With the real Keystone Krager. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about, but some of you do. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, daddy. And, and I'm looking at that and thinking, whoo. Wouldn't I look good tooling up the church in that? Mmm, man. I'd be be going around Midland Square on Friday night racing the young kids with the pipes crackling. Oh, y'all didn't think I had any swag in me, did you? And I'm looking at that and thinking, until I saw the $35,000 price tag on it. But don't you think that there was, there was some emotional stir in his humanity that when he's, when he's seen some things that, that he knew he couldn't have and yet the desire was there I'm preaching to somebody today because you're, you're you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. You feel the call of eternity. You feel the call to sell out to the cause of Christ. You feel the call to answer the disciplined lifestyle of a Christian. And yet there's so much activity in your life and there's so many things that, that you want to do and there's so many things you, you want to experience and you're caught caught there's a struggle there's a battle going on and Jesus said but I gotta tell you this is the purpose and this is the cause that I came into the world for see I think one of the things that frustrates the position that so many of us find ourselves in is that we've never realized the purpose that God has for us that we've we've never come to an understanding that I'm on this earth more than just to live and to get and to eat and to enjoy. I'm I'm here for a reason. I think that's the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't understand suffering. See, a lot of times suffering is more about pushing us into the position. I don't understand that the reason something is happening in my life is really shoving me towards divine destiny rather than trying to pull me from it. And yet my humanity is, man, I need a healing. Man, I need deliverance. Man, I need a financial breakthrough. Hey, It could be that what God is doing through the situation that you find yourself in is repositioning you for the purpose of Destiny and the reason you were born. See, I'm totally convinced that that a lot of times the things that happen in our life uh, are really about us touching others. I mentioned Acts chapter 16. I don't have time to go into it, but Peter and Sil- or Paul and Silas were going to pray. And as they're going to pray, a demented girl, a demonic infested girl comes behind them and begins to chide them and begins to tell them, I know who you are. I know who your master is. I know what you're doing. And, and, and finally Paul got sick of it and just turned around and said, man, come out of her. Don't you wish you could cast the person out of the person sometimes? I'm not talking about demons. I'm just talking about the person. But he looked at her and said, come out. And unaware to him, there were two men that had merchandised her See, that, that's, that's why I don't wear advertisements for brands. I'm going to pay somebody to advertise for them and become French. I'm going to wear their label on my shirt. No, you didn't get it. I'll have to We don't even understand we're being merchandised. That's why the Bible said that the poor is a slave to the rich. You get that later. I don't have time to do there. Two men were using this girl as a psychic to forecast futures for people. And Paul cast out the evil spirit so she could no longer give psychic. Have you ever wondered why a psychic's never won the lottery? I don't, know. I don't have time to talk about that. I don't even know where that came from. It's just, I, I, I've always wanted to call a psychic and when they say, who's calling, you tell me. Okay, okay I, I don't know. This is my weird way of thinking. You're supposed to know everything about me and you don't even know my name. A little church humor, I guess. And because of that, the Bible said they were thrown, they were beaten and put in prison. Now I think the modern day Christian would look at this and simply say, oh, what, a, what a God you are. I was doing your work and now I find myself in prison. But you see, the difference between Paul and, and the ruler and Demas was that Paul had caught the vision of another world. See, I, I gotta close as I begin, but he, he he would say things like this: "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." He he would say things like that: "Hey, this body is is just a temporary vessel for something eternal." He he would say, there's, he said, if I lay down this earthly tabernacle, I'm going to be present with the Lord. He would say things like 1 Corinthians 15, when he he would say in verse 14, if, if we have hope in this life only, we're of all men most miserable. And so because of this, he he would say to the Philippian church in in chapter 3, he would say, everything that I've amassed, every success that I have, I count it as loss that I may win Christ. The greater purpose in my life is not to amass wealth or fame, but the greater purpose in my life is to do something that is eternal because that, ladies and gentlemen, is all that really matters. Only what we do for Christ is really going to last. And so Paul realized this, and so even though he was beaten and even though he was incarcerated for something he had not done, the Bible said at midnight, him and Silas began to pray and sing praises. Now, I don't confess to even remotely be close to that. I'm just saying that's where God is trying to take us as a church. Is to understand. Because he would say in Romans chapter 8, Paul would say that I am persuaded that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory of, Come on, stay with me for just a moment. I'm persuaded that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. See, sometimes the suffering in your life is for God's glory to be revealed to somebody else. Oh, I gotta preach this before I leave this morning because it's like fire shut up in my bones. Ah, the suffering and the pain and the inconveniences that you're experiencing, ladies and gentlemen, is God's way of setting you up so that His glory can be manifested to somebody else and our narcissistic self-centered ideology. Oh god, I need a healing, oh god. I need a blessing, oh god. No, you you and I have to understand ladies and gentlemen that the suffering and the inconvenience of the moment is a setup for God's glory to be Ah re- oh. Uh, what, what are you doing, Paul? You're you're beaten. It's midnight. You ought to be quiet. You ought to you ought to lay down and go to sleep. But no, there's something bigger happening. I don't understand it. I can't see it. I can't make sense of it. But there's something bigger that's going on here. And the Bible said that as they began to pray and sing praises, that the prisoners heard them. See, oh, you got to understand before you get to the jailbreak. You gotta understand that God's wanting to touch other people through your praise and the inconvenience of your. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, you see it as an inconvenience and God sees it as a life being touched. Oh, I've got another doctor's appointment, but maybe God's sending you to the doctor so you could pray for the doctor. Oh, I got an appointment with the attorney. Maybe it's not the legal matter that needs address, but God is trying to set you up for a moment to chuck And I can't see it because I'm so bound to the temporal. The pain is real. Absolutely, the pain is real. Absolutely, the inconvenience is an inconvenience. But I wonder how many times last week we talked about that we would pray, Thy will be done in earth. Somebody shout, In earth. Thy, thy will be done in earth thy will be done in earth could it be that what we see as a moment of temporary is it reflected in the moment of a divine intervention oh Jesus John chapter 3 and verse 14 talks about the serpent that was lifted the brazen serpent that was lifted And, and Jesus says to Nicodemus As the serpent was lifted in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted. Sometimes we don't even see the antidote to the situation looks a lot like the situation. It's The serpent that was made out of brass and put on a pole that was lifted up it looked just like the problem. That's why I think we missed a lot about the cross. Because at the cross, we're looking at a broken, bloody body. But when when God looked at Jesus on the cross, he didn't see a bloody, broken body. What he saw was sin. Y'all didn't get that. you, you, you got to hear this. When God looked at the cross, He didn't see Mel Gibson display of a broken, bloody body. He's seen Him as the sin that was in my life. And we can't see the solution because the solution looks so close to the circumstances. And Paul and Silas are in jail. But what's fixing to happen to the jailer, they sing praises at midnight, the prisoners heard them. See, I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that what people need to hear in our, conven- in our inconveniences and our afflictions is not how bad things are. My Facebook post reflects on how bad things are. I wonder what would happen if in the midst of the bad, we would start proclaiming His greatness. Oh, I came to preach for just a few moments here before we go home. I wonder what would happen is in the midst of the trial and the affliction and the tribulation, we would begin to glorify Him. We would begin to praise Him. We would begin to give Him the glory. Uh I, 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 let me just help you. Let me just help you because most people know that you're in a problem. I mean, you don't have to verbalize it. You don't have to say anything. People know when you're going through something. They know when your life is messed up physically. They know when you're bearing a burden. I wonder what would happen instead of talking to them about our problem we would start praising in the midst of our problem oh God I'm on overtime again but we would start praising him I'm wondering because as the prisoners heard them the Bible said there was a great earthquake somebody shouted to set up Somebody shout, it's a setup. It's a setup for eternal purposes. It's a setup for God to get the glory. It's a setup for God to be manifested uh, through you. So, the Bible said at midnight, they begin to sing praises and pray and sing hymns and, and the prisoners heard them and then there was a great earthquake and the doors... Of oh, the prison flew open. I wonder what it really feels like to be delivered, but not to escape. Because when the jailer would take his sword, thinking the prisoners had escaped, Paul said, don't do that. We're all still here. It lets me know they were not bound by the bars. They were not bound by the prison. They were bound by something else. They were bound by a higher purpose. They were bound by a higher calling. And that night, ladies and gentlemen, as you stand to your feet all over this house, that night, that night, the Bible said that the jailer took Paul and Silas And he washed their stripes. Washed their stripes. And the next thing you read that the jailer is asking, he said, what must I do to be saved? See, ladies and gentlemen, we gotta stop, we gotta start looking at something different. James said, tomorrow I'm going here and tomorrow I'm going there. And James said, what we ought to say is if the Lord wills, I'm gonna go buy and I'm gonna go sell and I'm gonna go get, and what we need to say is, Lord, are you in this? Lord is this your purpose for my life I don't know about you I've gotten myself in a lot of jams I've gotten myself in too many mix ups and then wanted God to fix them I'm developing a new attitude God are you going there because if you're not going there I'm not going if you're not in this I'm not a part of it it's like Moses said Lord is your spirit going if your spirit's not going then I'm not going either somebody needs to get an eternal mindset that God what are you trying to do sit in that doctor's office praying God is this the doctor you want me to talk to is this is a nurse in there that I need to talk to oh I'm just there to get healing from a physical body oh, I gotta go see the banker I gotta go, go talk to the banker but maybe the banker is in the midst of a life crisis and God Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. And the banker's waiting for somebody to show up, not to just talk about a loan and not just to talk about money because that's temporary. Uh, There's a battle going inside of him. His kids are on drugs. Uh, His kids are rebellious. Uh, His wife just walked out and he's looking for somebody that would bring a word of hope. Uh, But oh, I'm too, uh, I'm too, I'm too occupied by the temporal. I'm too occupied by the here and now. God is saying, Can I show you something greater? Can I show you? Because can I tell you, church, that you're the only Jesus that the world's going to see? And some of those premonitions that you have and some of those little gut feelings that you have, I don't know why I'm here today. God is saying, I brought you here. That that person that started to go to the next person, but all of a sudden they come to you. I was hoping to have a break. I was hoping they went to the next person, and yet God is saying, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. They can go talk to a psychiatrist, but the psychiatrist can't fix them. They can go to AA, but, the, but, but AA can't deliver them from a bottle. They can go to some ministry and go through a program, but it can't deliver them from the addiction. I feel a little Holy Ghost up in here. I feel a little Holy Ghost up in here. I feel a Holy Ghost up in here. I feel a little Holy Ghost working up in here. I'm trying to get across today that the purpose is greater. The go to work and make your money. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not about the paycheck at the end of the week. God brought you we talked about it a few weeks ago and I, I just, I've just i got to quit we talked about it when, when Joseph's brother came in Genesis 45 and he looked at him and he said you sold me you sold me but the next sentence says but God sent me